the Money and Faith podcast. I hope you're enjoying a cloudy, cloudy Monday morning. Hope your weekend was good. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Nathaniel, joined as always for the last 23 weeks in a row <laughs> by Rich Nolf. <laughs> yeah, good morning, Nathaniel. Um, kind of a very somber weekend here in the Pittsburgh area. We're going to get into that today. But I know we were out there um, with your brother, Josh. He's running for Pennsylvania House of Representatives. So we were out there in the rain and the cold, knocking on doors and trying to pick up a few more votes for him. What what was your weekend like? It was a cold, cold weekend. Uh, Worked uh, until about 3.30 on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, uh, tailgated the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. To the Browns game. Oh, nice. A lot of fun. Well, that's always better. It seemed like the last few years, that last uh, Browns game at home was always in December when it was bitter cold. It's exactly right. So, <laughs> yeah, you saw a good game. Yeah, it was a good game. So yeah, excellent. What, uh, well, that's great then. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> we can talk about anything. This is yeah. fun. This is, I, I enjoy, um, I enjoy the way we've done this probably the last 10 weeks is, just what it, what would you like to talk about? Because things come up in the news, things come up in uh, the markets, and just retirement planning in general. That we just say, oh yeah, we should probably have a conversation about this. Yeah, I mean, in the actual markets, it was a pretty rough week. Uh, there were a lot of significant down days, but we need to take a look at our local Pittsburgh area. We had a significant tragedy yeah. where a gentleman walked into a synagogue and just started opening fire. Now, there were uh, multiple activities going on there, and uh, there were 11 people killed, and there were six people injured, and I think it was either three or four police officers were among the injured. And it brings out that question of why. Why did that happen? And for our series, Money and Faith, why did God allow it to happen? So maybe we start with this whole concept of evil you know what in our world today i mean we throw terms around but how would you characterize that whole issue of what is evil that's a that's a huge question yeah. <laughs> to start with but it's a, it's an important one uh to me i would say evil i mean it's tough to really have a definition for it without getting into specific examples but i guess i would say in this case um uh, taking away something so valuable uh, from a human being with no just cause, which in this example would be life. I think there are there's a million different examples with that, but uh, that that's such a tough question to uh, without getting into specific examples to really answer. What do you think evil is to you? Well, I think if we look at it from a biblical standpoint, it's in, in its lowest form, it's just a a violent rejection of the order of God and to take actions that really run counter to everything we read about in our Bible. And evil uh, for us, like I said, that term gets thrown around. So to be able to call someone evil because they're in a different political party, <laughs> I don't think crazy. that's fair. That's crazy. I think that's foolish. But is it something that when we can look at it and say, was there something unseen? Was there something demonic about it? And and I think that's where we as Christians have to realize Jesus 
uh, stood against demonic beings. He cast them out of individuals, and he we know that even Judas was filled with Satan as he's denying or as he's uh, giving up Jesus, you know, to the authorities. But evil um, is something that we I think we have to say is real. It is oh, out yeah. there. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, look at I mean, you could point to all of these shootings and there's something profoundly evil or um, just immoral, just profoundly immoral in all of these. I think, um, yes, I, I don't want to discredit. I think mental health is a, is a problem. I think there's uh, weaponry. There's We can get into political stuff with it all day long, but you're right, there is something profoundly evil and um, just... I don't know, just corrupt inside of somebody's somebody's mind. Mm-hmm. This is me speaking as somebody who is not a psychologist, who is not right. anywhere near qualified to be right. talking about this. But th- I guess that's where I come from. You know, in in our society, what is really, I think, sad is that, yes, this happened to us in Pittsburgh, and we're going to talk about it today. Our community, community here is going to deal with this for some time, but... I think about some of these other shootings that have happened around the country, and because of their frequency, they, they become a news story that doesn't capture the headlines for more than maybe two or three days. Uh, this issue happened in Pittsburgh on Saturday, and to watch national news, how long will it play out, especially when we have an election coming up in uh, less than 10 days now, how much airtime will it receive? But what goes back to why? Why did God allow this to happen? Why did God not intervene? You know, we saw another news story this weekend. There was a plane with, I believe, 180 people. It was halfway around the world, but that plane went down. And so far, they haven't found any survivors. Why did God allow that to happen? So coming from a biblical standpoint, Nathaniel, um, how would you answer the question if it was proposed to you sometime today? Why did God let it happen? Well, I had to look at the normalcy of what's of how the, the unfortunate fact that this has just become normal. I mean, I mm-hmm. remember probably three or four years into probably this most recent line of shootings. Probably, I, I would my mind would start with Sandy Hook. That was the first big one uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember probably 2014 or 15, I remember former President Barack Obama, I remember him getting on uh, TV and almost just sad and disappointed, but uh, made a point that this has become a trend for him, mm. having to go and make <clears throat> you know statements about this and nobody's doing anything about it. I, but... Here's here's my issue. I I struggle taking seriously Christians who have who claim to have every single answer, mm-hmm. just ready to go. I've never found that to be right. um, legitimate. I've never found that to be uh, trustworthy, and, and I don't mm-hmm. think we were designed to have all the answers. To be honest with you, this is just a question I do not even have right. an answer to. And right. I, I think me saying that I had any type of answer, I mean, like, what do you say to those people? Like, what do you say to the victims of something right. like this? I don't think I don't think there is an answer. No, there's not. 
and we can't even be absolutely certain of what's happened here. Uh, we'll only get limited information. I mean, was this an individual that had a uh, long history of violence? Was it someone who had said things in social media that we should have picked up on? Was it something that there was a demonic presence that pushed this person? We'll, we will not know that. I think what we do know is that uh, we are sinful people. And at this point, God has allowed sinful people to carry on and continue to be a part of this world. Sinful people are going to do things that are going to hurt others. Um, that could be verbally, that could be physically. Uh, it, it's going to happen. And now what do we do about it? Well, our faith says that we need to put our hope in the Lord and trust him and then continually pray for his intervention. Does that mean we're, we're going to escape? No. I mean, we could have been maybe not in the actual synagogue, but we could have been shopping in that area. That's a pretty popular area. I, I lived over towards Homestead for a while. I, I would go to the coffee shops there Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. a lot of mornings, and just sit and get a, get a coffee. And that, that you know, brings... You know, you hear about all of this stuff in every other place in America, right. and then you think it comes. You just don't even. It, it's not even. You're not even cognizant of it. Like you, you can't even believe that something like that happens so close. I, I think. I think praying about it. I think doing those things in a biblical standpoint are important. Do you think? That's all God wants us to do. Do you think that that is the only thing that we need to do in this situation, or do you think we see something like this and then we need to take action? What do you think? And the answer can be no, but I'm, I'm curious what you think. Well, I, recently what I've been trying to do is look at where the world goes. If, if I'm a Christian and I believe the book of Revelation is future— it's something that is going to unfold. How do we get there? And when I look at what are the steps, will they be big steps or will they be small incremental steps? Well, the idea of the type of violent outbreaks, and we've seen it really since 9-11, that people have become more willing to give up freedom in exchange for safety. And so are we coming to a point where we will allow our government in order to protect us to be able to go ahead and look at all of our privacy issues. So look at all of our social media, look at our bank accounts, um, look at our searches we do on Google, uh, our shopping patterns, um, even watching us on these video cams that are Mm -hmm. everywhere. Now, if we say, wow, we, we want to be safe, Okay, we will give the government more. Well, that's just taking us down this path yeah. to ultimately, where, could there be a one-world government that is going to monitor all of its citizens? It's amazing how close we are. I mean, in China, there was a story. I don't even know if we've talked about this in the past. They were looking for a gentleman. He was in a statement, watch, a stadium watching a soccer match, and they found him. Yeah. Just from facial recognition, they yeah. went right to his seat yeah. and grabbed him. So can they 
grab you and I at any time. Well, we're law-abiding citizens. Right. But what if anything we do or say goes against what is deemed the public norm? You know, how close are we to those days? Okay, I hear that. But let's take it from the vantage point of somebody who doesn't even who doesn't believe that, right? Let's take it from the advantage of vantage point of somebody who is not a religious person, not a Christian. Right. What is the answer to this immense amount of violence? Like I I'm not asking for an answer from you, but I'm I'm lo- I look at it from those people as well who do not right. share a faith. What is what can we actually do? Like there's there there are answers somewhere, and I don't want to get into the whole guns and this and that. And that but there is there is because you didn't grow up in what seems like this much violence that we can do to each other. Do you, well, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know what you're saying, but I think violence has always been out there. Yeah, sure. And we in America have had more of a sheltered type of environment to raise our children in, and now it's starting to come to us. I mean, you think about the country of Israel from its founding. Uh, people that have blown up buses, blown themselves up, uh, just started shooting. That's been their norm right. now for 50 years. And so now we're beginning to see it here in our country. I think if I was not a person that trusted Jesus and looked at the world through a biblical perspective, uh, yes, I'd say, look, they, the government needs to start looking at uh, issues of stability amongst humanity. So if somebody is taking certain medications, um, then if I was coming at it from a non-biblical perspective, I say those individuals should be monitored. Sure. And if they do anything, like put hate speech on Facebook, they should be monitored. <clears throat> Incre- but, increase background checks right, and things like that. More background checks. Um, but it's where where do we stop doing that? Sure. How far? <clears throat> yeah, these are all questions that just— it it doesn't feel like anybody actually wants to do anything about it. Right. Like I, again, I don't want to get political with it, but like there, it just seems like this stuff has happened for a good third of my life. Right. And nobody has done it. Nobody wants to do anything about it. It seems like. Yeah, there is a lot of talk and a lot of rhetoric, and even you know with this shooting, to see what politicians showed up. What what happened to those who are running for office, how fast they were able to put out their statement sure. uh, condemning that. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's all part of it for the way it unfolds. But I think it's what is the ultimate solution? Well, as a Christian, the ultimate solution, solution is when people receive Jesus, and when they do that, that breaks that slavery to sin. It breaks that chain of, of sin. And when that happens, now there can be healing. There can be healing from anger. There can be healing uh, from violent tendencies. Uh, I think where we're struggling in our society is here in America, the amount of medication uh, that is being distributed, uh, significantly greater quantities than anywhere else in the world. You know, I I looked at one of these anti depressive type of medications. 
And one of the side effects could be violent um, tendencies. Now, there are 30 million people in our country that are on these types of drugs. And if the side effect is, for a very few people, um, violence. Well, okay, let's say that is only going to happen in one-tenth of one percent. That's an incredibly small number. But how many people would that actually be? That could be 30,000 people in our country because of the medicine now have violent tendencies. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of people that could get violent in our society. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to agree with you. And I don't think the answer to this is just on one side of the aisle, right? Like, right. I don't think it's, I, I think most Republicans would say that mental health is an issue, and I'd agree. Mm-hmm. And most folks on the left would say that the amount of firearms in oh, yeah. in today's society is the issue. I look at it and say, I think it's probably a combination of the two. I mean, I, I spent, I've spent five, six months of my life in the United Kingdom so far. I, I, I have never, in this big metropolis of a city where even uh, the police do not carry weapons, you feel a sense of safety. Like, mm. I, I'll get into, we can get into the argument of even bad people will get guns even in a society where right. guns are outlawed. But I also take a look at, like, results. I mean, I don't have anything pulled up or anything. I don't have any hard data on this. But right. I know there are countries that, look at how Australia does it. I mean, that no weapons, no nothing. And they maybe, I think it's like 10,000 deaths by gun a year, period. Right. Um it's probably even less than that. Again, I don't have any answers, but right. to me, it's frustrating that um, it's frustrating. Okay, th- this is a point. It's frustrating that people will post that their thoughts and prayers are with the victims of families on Facebook, right. but nobody does anything about it. Yeah. Like, uh, did God just intend for us to pray all of our problems away, or did pray? ask for guidance and and use the power of God to help make this a better world to live in. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's sacrificing our time. And how does a person get to a point where they can react so violently? Is it something that started at another point in life? There was a rejection. Uh, there was an isolation. Uh, there, there was condemnation, and, and what fed into that person going down that path? Mm-hmm. And if, if we as Christians want to take our Bible seriously, it talks about uh, loving one another mm-hmm. and loving those of the faith. So, if we're going to act out, live out our faith, then that means we need to get involved with people. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that's going to take time. You know, so I have to literally do something about my schedule if I want to get involved with other people. Right. But if I can reach out to a person and maybe it's someone I can see that has drifted, someone that has become isolated, someone that I notice in their own uh, dialogue that there's a, there, there's a sliding towards something that, that sounds maybe depressive or overwhelming in their life. Is it for me as a Christian, should I just say, well, I'll say a prayer for you? 
<laughs> yeah. Or is it something maybe I should follow up with that person? Yeah. Maybe I should try to get involved in their life. But then I have to take my time to do that. Right. I might have to spend my resources to do that. Right. And I think that's the problem with Christianity in many ways. Uh, Christianity for so much of our society is, okay, I'm going to carve out some time a Sunday morning. Exactly. Maybe I'll go to some kind of meeting during the week. But other than that, my time is my time. And I, so much. I mean, uh, I'm in First uh, uh, John right now. And, and that's what John is saying. And he's echoing exactly what James said. Faith is action. Faith isn't something that is done in solidarity. Um, yes, there, there are private prayer and Bible study times. But outside of, of those opportunities to grow, it's what is my action? What am I doing right. to actually be a Christian? Am I getting, and it, that is all wrapped around getting involved in people's lives. Right. You know, and, and there are great humanitarian things out there, you know, like building a house and that. Um, I didn't see anywhere in the Bible where, where they built houses for anybody. Right. You know, and not to, that's a bad thing to do, but it's how about interacting with human beings one-on-one in their lives? Yeah. So that's, that's going to be a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah, and these are all these are all tricky questions that we're not going to answer in a 20-minute <laughs> podcast. Well, maybe someone in our audience will get it all figured hopefully, out for us. Hopefully. Yeah, well, let us know. Well, thank you very much for joining us here Money and Faith Podcast. If you like the show, uh, make sure you listen to more episodes. Uh, subscribe to us on whatever service that you use. If you'd like to see myself or my father, uh, I do not have any seminars this week. Do you? I am. I'm at uh, Monticello's and Babcock Boulevard Tuesday and Thursday night. That's great. Thursday, we got lots of seats if anybody wants to come out. Great. Great, great. Got a lot of room there. I'll be in Atria's in Irwin uh, the following week, next week. Uh, so if you'd like to attend, go to Safety First, Safety First 1ST Retirement.com. So Safety 1ST Retirement.com. Mm. Uh, give our office a call, 412 772 8575 to schedule. Uh, either seminar attendance or a meeting with myself or my father, or both of us. We should start going on more joint appointments. Yeah, we That's should. That's what we should do. Absolutely. We'll talk about this after, <laughs> after we get off air. Uh, but again, thank you very much for joining us. Like us on Facebook as well, safetyfirstretirement.com. Uh, we'll be announcing the winner of an Eden Park certificate. Uh, we have a winner of that, so make sure you check our Facebook page if you participated in that competition. Or contest, rather. It was not a competition. <laughs> Nobody had to earn it virtually. That's so, right. again, thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.